The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Now, if you're going to read a novel over the summer, one of those that I would recommend is the terrific debut novel by Louise Kennedy called Trespasses. Fair to say it's a debut novel, isn't it? it? Is, because yeah. it's short stories you've written previously. Thank you very much for joining Not us. One thing that immediately struck me as we started chatting before starting this interview, and as I'm sure our listeners will cop now, you don't sound like anything like somebody who grew up in Northern Ireland. No, this is very embarrassing. So, um, yeah, I was born in Belfast and then grew up um, in Hollywood in County Down, which is on the shores of Belfast Lock, about five miles from um, Belfast. And uh, we lived there until 1979 when I was 12. And then we moved uh, down here to uh, Kildare, first of all. Most of my family are in Dublin. All of my family are in Dublin now and I live in Sligo. But um, yeah, in my... In you shook e- off the accent. I did, yeah. In my new school, every time I opened my mouth, I was met with a chorus of uh, hi now Brian Kai they did impressions of me um, very badly and um, it was just exhausting being different and also at 12 when you're kind of permanently mortified anyway um, yeah I just figured the I mean I think at the time I probably did make a conscious decision that it would just be easier to try and um, fit in a bit not that I ever did manage to fit in but at least my accent probably blended in but clearly you remember everything of your 12 years up north. I mean, it really has been probably what formed you, isn't it? Because this just comes across so brilliantly in the book. You remember clearly what the 70s were like in the north. Yeah, and um, I do remember it very vividly. I think maybe adults don't give children enough credit for noticing what's um, happening uh, around them. And... um, uh, I mean, we we lived in a in a bungalow, um, kind of nineteen sixties bungalow, and um, in lots of ways it was a very ordinary uh, childhood. But there were other things going on in the background, I suppose, for everybody who lived in the north. That um, there was a heavy security presence. Um, you know, there were bomb scares in school. There were uh, roadblocks. Uh, you know, everywhere you went, and uh, you know, sometimes somebody wouldn't come into school, and you'd find out that their uncle had been murdered or something. Um, uh, I think as well because of the demographic of the place that we lived in. Hollywood um, was about 90% um, Protestant and we belonged to a very tight kind of small community of Catholics that made up maybe probably 10% of the population. And um, I, I don't know, I think that there were there were things that, I suppose because we had a bar, um, that, that was significant. Um, I mean, most very many of the Catholic bars um, were, were, were blown up and I think there may be a few different reasons for that. Um, I think that if you have a business in a town, you're quite uh, noticeable. And um, and then I suppose for kind of sectarian uh, targeting, um, your name is over the door and, uh, you know, people know where to, to find you. So um, my grandmother had a bar and a couple of my uncles worked in it. My father didn't work in it, um, but my mother worked there sometimes. And um, in late 1973, um, a bomb was uh, planted outside. It was, I think, a £300 bomb in a beer keg that was left in a van beside the pub. And... Um, uh, a customer uh, spotted it and it was defused. But another bomb was planted about six months later and it did detonate. So um, the was pub- it a no warning bomb or did you no, have a there chance was a, to a evacuate? Warning bomb, a generous warning, um, something like that um, is mentioned in the book as well. A, a generous warning um, by all accounts because um, the place was evacuated and um, I think my uncle and uh, the police or, or whatever and a few customers stood and watched the pub kind of blow up from um, a tunnel. Um, uh, just you know, opposite where the, where the bar was, and um, so that meant that in 1975 the the pub was put up for sale, and um, 
I had gone from, uh, you know, all of the relatives on my father's side uh, lived within walking distance of us. So when I was a child, it was a very free childhood in lots of ways because, you know, the, the, the street that we lived on was quiet and I was able to kind of walk to my granny's house um, at will or go around to uh, my uncle's house and see, you know, his wife and their new babies when they appeared and stuff like that. And then they were gone. And um, so that was 1975. And we lived along until 79. And then we moved as well. Um, but I, I suppose a lot of what I saw was maybe spied from the back of a car. And, you know, there are some car journeys in there. And those are journeys that I remember very vividly. Um, my mother's mother lived, um, um, uh, you know, in the Upper Crumlin Road. So we, we had to drive through our joint to, to get to see her. That's which actually where my visit. mother is from. Really? Actually. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I know, I know where you're talking okay, about. Okay, that's yeah. really interesting. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so we used to uh, drive through um, our joint, which was like t- the total polar opposite of, of uh, the place that we lived in. I mean, there were regularly uh, riots happening and buses burning and stuff as we were passing by. And um, there was a routine where my mother would tell us to, you know, sit on the floor. There weren't seatbelts in the... <laughs> in the back seat in those days. I don't know if there were even seatbelts in the front seat, but we'd sit on the floor and um, and sort of peek out the window to watch what was going on. Um, the tension is palpable in the book yeah. of people being afraid to say something in case of the consequences of it. That really comes across to me. Yeah, um, and that was very much uh, the world that, um, that we lived in. Um, uh, I mean, I think I was conscious from... Probably fairly young uh, that it was important to identify what religion somebody was. And um, usually you'd have a fair idea, but then sometimes you mightn't. And um, and I, I sort of knew that, that this was something that needed to be established because I guess once you knew then there was a certain amount of, um, I don't know, then maybe you could relax a bit or maybe you could actually get more tight, tight-lipped, I suppose, depending on, on, on who the person was. Um, um, yeah, I, I just I, I do remember that as a time of of uh, of, of tr- uh, tremendous tension, and you know it wasn't just the bomb that um, the, the you know the two bomb attacks on on our bar um, in 1971. My granny, the, who, who ran the bar, was on her way to the bank um, in Hollywood to make a lodgment, and as she was pos- passing a different pub, it um, exploded, and she was really very badly injured. And I was probably about four then, and I remember that very distinctly. Um, I remember she uh, most of the damage was kind of to her face and neck and her hands and um and the you know the stitches were very crude and and sort of horrific looking and um the yeah. other thing that really comes across in the book as well as this sort of sectarian divide mm-hmm. and of course how that gets bridged is a big part of the book as mm-hmm. well the presence of the british army soldiers as yeah. well and just so many of them everywhere mm-hmm. stopping people yeah but that's what it was like or uh, remember yeah um and, and you know, it seems so completely normal. I mean, there's this, there's a scene in the book where um, Kushla is uh, is elsewhere and opens her handbag to have it searched, and she's laughed at because there, you know there's no security needed there. And um, um, and, and that was what it was like when we moved to the south. I remember standing outside Quinsworth and Nace with them, um, you know, a, a couple of girls from my new school and hovering around the doorway, um, opening my school bag, and them going, "What are you doing?" Um, and I was kind of horrified that there wasn't um, anybody there to search us. On our way going into the shop. You Did know? coming south feel like going to a foreign country in some respects? Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, it really did. Um, I didn't particularly want to move because um, children in the north spent a year less in, in primary school than they do in the south. So it meant that um, I was 12 um, 
and um, ready to go into secondary school. But I'd actually already done a year in a, in, in a grammar school in the north and um, where I was very happy. And I really didn't want to, to move. I didn't want to leave my friends. I didn't want to move somewhere different. And um, um, I, I actually begged my parents to put me in a boarding school. I think I'd like OD'd on Enid Blyton books when I was smaller <laughs> and thought it was going to be all like midnight feasts and lashings of ginger beer. And um, they said that if, you know, if um, if we were moving, we were all moving and they didn't want to leave me behind. Um, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my, my parents uh, really sold it to us that we were like, um, I've said this before, you know, going to the promised land or something. And um, I, I mean, I did find it actually quite appalling. I mean, the North had its issues, but I um, I, I suppose because we knew it and, and could navigate it, I was pretty shocked at how, um, I think the South seemed to be quite poor. It was um, very closed-minded or something as well. And if we'd gone from a place which was... Um, you know, really a, a, a gerrymandered sectarian state with all of the problems that that had. Uh, down here was um, was um, was this very sort of closed uh, theocracy that I found um, quite shocking. And then there were other things that are a lot more frivolous, like, um, you know, where we lived, we could only get two TV channels and stuff that I found shocking. Then we had to wait about three years to get a phone and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it was very different, really and, very different. And did you ever get the impression that for many people in the South, not all, obviously, but that their interest in the North was in some respects superficial and in other respects they just didn't care. They just felt that this is this violent corner of the island sort of out of sight, out of mind. Oh yeah, completely. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think um, the word that people use now is othered, uh, which, um, which would probably uh, sum it up. Um, but I, I remember when I was, I think I was 14 and um, and I was in school and it was the day that Bobby Sands uh, died. And a girl who I didn't even know, who was a couple of years ahead of me, paused in front of me to tell me that she hoped that the rest of us murdering northern bastards would ever starve ourselves to death as well. And then she headed off with okay. um, with a packet of Tato and a packet of Silvermints um, to, you know, have the rest of her break. So, yeah, I mean, that wasn't very common, but, uh, you know, some of it was um, spectacular. Um, I've noticed that you've done your Master's and PhD in Queen's University yeah. in Belfast. Yeah. Why did you go back there? Um I I think it was maybe a kind of sneaky way for me to try and find my way home or something. Um, when I was in, in school down here, um, I thought, I mean, when I was a small child, I, you know, I had a couple of aunts and a couple of uncles who went to Queen's and I presumed that I would go there and then we moved and I didn't. And I was kind of... You went of, to UCD instead? I did go to UCD instead, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I wanted to go to Queen's and then I just, I don't know if I even applied in the end. I just didn't really get it together. And um, um, and I, I think, um, you know, my um, academic career was fairly unspectacular um, in UCD and stuff. I was a very mediocre student and I ended up cooking for years um, but um, when it came to doing the MA and the PhD I mean there were lots of other options they run them in Dublin and in uh, Limerick and Cork and Galway and stuff but um, yeah just this just seemed to be a way to try and find myself home or something and, um, and that's actually been really amazing and I think maybe that's why um, why um, Do you think maybe it sparked a lot of your memories that you used as a foundation for this novel? Yeah, I think it did in a, in a lot of ways. Um, so, um, Kushra in the in the novel um, so spends a lot of time um, kind of sneaking up the Malone Road to see a man and, um, um, and you know, Queen's is just at the foot of the Malone Road and I stayed up there, you know, a couple of nights a week for several years and, um, you know, I went back to Hollywood a few times and thought about that. But I think maybe... Um, Maybe because, I mean, I, I know that um, academia or or whatever, um, they're sort of small, quite artificial circles. And, um, and you know, maybe they weren't as badly affected by the troubles anyway um, at the time. But I think I was really surprised at how, um, you know, a lot of my classmates are younger 
um, a lot younger than me. So, you know, when we all started, maybe they were about 25 and I was well, like hitting 50. But, um, you know, they just seem to be so much more open minded or, or, or something. And there was really a sense in lots of ways that um, um, that the place has changed. But then clearly in lots of ways it hasn't changed, you know. You spoke about that you were a middling student yeah. when you did your degree. Yeah. What did you do your degree It was in? a social science degree. So you had no interest in that stage in writing in English? No, I never you? wrote anything. No, I never wrote anything at and all. And you took it up in 2014 after a career as a chef. Yeah. Well, no, I was still chefing when I took it up and I didn't take it up as a career. I mean, what happened was that um, a friend of mine, uh, Neve McCabe, um, who's a really good writer and she's uh, based in Sligo and she had been asked to join a writing group by... Um, uh, Una Mannion, who um, has just, uh, last year she had a, a novel, A Crooked Tree, published by Faber, and uh, Rose Jordan, another friend who's a poet, uh, were setting up this writing group, and they asked Neve to go along, and she asked me to come, and I couldn't understand why, and she'd asked me her kind of mid-morning or something, and then asked me a few more times during the day, and I was just thinking, this is a ridiculous idea, like, why would I be writing, you know, um, but I, I must have been curious or something. So I got into the car with her and, and went to the um, the writing group and it was shocking, really. Um, the others had all been trying to write and I literally hadn't written anything creatively since I was about 11 because I don't think any of the... From what I can remember, none of the English curriculum in secondary school um, had any creative writing in it. So I just hadn't written anything. Um, but I'd always read... Um, yeah, I was going to ask, were you reading a lot? Uh, yeah, I read a lot. Um, I probably read about three books a week um, all my life, like since I was about three, so... Okay, that's yeah. quite a bit. It is a lot, yeah. Um, so e- Even when you're the demands of being a chef and then running your own business oh, with your husband? Especially then, because... Um, that was your escape. Yeah, well, it wasn't even that it was an escape. It was because things were just so uh, difficult that I, I, I couldn't sleep. So I used to just uh, read all night um, to avoid thinking about um, whether we might lose our house or not and just everything going down the tube, so... Because you got hit badly by the recession, did you? Ah, yeah, but sure, everybody did, you know, but it's just... Uh, Not everybody Ah, uh, look, a lot of people did, but like we opened... Um, oh, God, we bought a house in 2006, so that was like All mental right, peak, enough. Peak oh, God, I can't even tell you. I think we probably came out of negative equity about 10 minutes ago or something. Like, it was that bad. <laughs> so it cost so much money. And, um, uh, and then the following year, we opened a restaurant and... Um, it was, we sat, we sat around and thought, you know what, it'll get busier, it'll be fine. And then by like a year later, we're going, where the hell is everybody? Like it was just so quiet. And, it, you know, we threw everything at us. We'd hardly any staff, you know, we made all the cuts that we could. And I mean, I suppose just towards the end, credit ran out and, and, and that was it. But we did limp along for about seven years. So the restaurant didn't actually close until... Um, August uh, 2014. And that was the time when you picked up the writing? Well, I, I had started to write in um, in, in January, but something really ha- happened to me, I think, with the writing that was really strange. And um, like it wasn't that I thought it was ever going to be a job or anybody would ever pay me to do it. I didn't expect to ever have to show it to anybody beyond the people in that room who mostly I didn't know, so I didn't, you know. Um, but when, when I did sit down to try and write... Um, Something shifted in me where I just thought, I actually don't care what happens. Um, I, 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 like uh, instantly, I didn't care about the business anymore. I didn't care about any of it, and um, um, and I just spent, um, I mean, I, I probably just spent like uh, um, all my time since then just trying to sneak away uh, to my laptop and uh, uh, and and write, you know. And I wonder, 
Like, I think that maybe part of the reason for that is that, um, you know, somebody um, who I just know from Twitter, because I'm kind of never off Twitter, but somebody I just know from Twitter um, said that she heard me uh, on the radio a, a few months ago and um, she said that she nearly crashed her car because she just read my novel and... Um, and because of, and and because she reads my tweets, she said that my uh, my my Twitter voice and my um, and my novel, like the, she said that basically my writing voice is completely northern, but then my speaking voice is really southern. And I don't know if that's maybe why I kind of feel better when I'm writing or something. You're going to have to get off Twitter though if you're going I'm to be totally writing. getting off Twitter. I'm going to deactivate it next week or something. I think yeah. it's to dreadful try for stopping book. when you're trying to write. Oh, it's very bad. But tell yeah. us about writing now, because you have had ill health in recent years yeah. as well. And you've been open about this. But I, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, You've had cancer. I have, yeah. Well, I still, I have it at the moment. Yeah, I'm on treatment at the moment. So in 2019, um, I found out that a mould that I had that had changed um, had melanoma cells in it. And they'd left kind of the mould itself and got into the surrounding tissue and then made uh, their way into a lymph node. So that was like stage three, I guess. So I had... Um, Really, I didn't have any treatment or surgery. It was decided that they would just monitor it with scans and then it came back. So I found out last uh, September that it had uh, come back and it's like stage four. So I have like a couple of nodules elsewhere as well. And um, so, I mean, you wouldn't if I know this looking at you because you look no, remarkably no. healthy. I know it's ridiculous. It's actually kind of embarrassing because when I, I like I'm due and go away on the on the wars, uh, the cancer ward tomorrow and I'm like, bombing around the place in Rouge Health because I'm not on chemo. Um, so, um, Are you on other, the, other medication? Yeah, though? so it's um, it's a type of immunotherapy. So um, what it does is I basically get a, a bag of um, of this liquid into my arm every fortnight and um, it um, disables, uh, um, I think, a protein on, on the melanoma cells um, and enables my body to see what's happening. And um, and uh, and then my my own T cells um, ideally should be able to identify the cancer cells and then fight them. And it is actually working really kind of ridiculously well. Um, Great. Yeah. But I so I'll be on it until I think when did I start last November? So I'll be on it until November twenty twenty three. So it's like two years. And, um, and how do you feel? Um, I feel good. I had, a, I mean, there were two phases to the treatment. And the first, there were two drugs involved. And um, I think one of them must have been very strong because like m- mental things happened, like um, my pituitary glands kind of exploded on um, on Christmas Eve. So I've got like lifelong um, endocrine problems and stuff. But there are medications to um, to mimic, you know, the sort of hormones that my body would normally produce. And um, so I've just taken millions of drugs and uh, it's fine. Um, if I get lots of naps, I'm fine. Like I, I can do loads of things. Um, I mean, I can't go like, I can't drink a lot or I can't, you know, I can't really drink because I don't feel like it. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fine. And um, I don't love sunny days like that. It kind of freaks me out, especially when I go out and see burnt people everywhere because really everybody ought to be wearing Factor 50 every day. Just get my plug in for Factor 50. Um, but yeah, no, I'm fine, you know. Um, I mean, I could do with that, but it's all right. Are you writing more now? You say, have you a second oh, novel? Okay, so I, I have 10,000 words in a novel that... Um, I started maybe around, I don't know, maybe around October or something. And then because I wasn't feeling that great for a few months, it was sort of hard to keep going with that. And then also there, there's been probably about three months of me talking about myself a lot. Um, <laughs> well, that's part of selling well, a book. Well, it is, it is. Know, and so it's fine. But I think that's kind that. of, I know, but I think that's kind of coming to an end. And um, But you uh, must which, be very proud of this, are you? Uh, do you know what? Look, there's a great feeling. I, mean, I can only imagine when you got the book into your hand, there must have been a great sense of self-satisfaction. I know there was. Uh, there really was, because there were some lovely things that happened in the lead up, but... Um, 
um, you know, the publisher sent me a box of books. Um, yeah. Um, and when I opened them, yeah, there were a few tears and stuff, all right. So, yeah, <laughs> it's great. I can imagine it's yeah. a good thing, but also to yeah. mean, to publish your first book in your 50s and to do it at a time when you're dealing with cancer treatment, I mean, that'd give anyone a lift. Well, I mean, look, do you know, see, as far as the cancer is concerned, I don't, um, like, I... I think I just deal with that by not thinking about it very much. So I just um, turn up and do what they tell me to do and um, and hope for the best because I... So I think, you know, I wrote the... Um I wrote the first draft of um, of Trespasses in March 2019, between March um, and June 2019. And um, I, th- I think it was when I just had surgery and I I um, had, I knew I was going to be off work for about two or three months. And um, I think I just thought maybe I wouldn't have like infinite time to write a novel. I couldn't presume that I would. And um, so I thought it might should like be kind of like now or never or whatever. Um and I tried to write a thousand words a day, which didn't happen every day, but um, but a lot of time it did, you know. Um, so I don't know. I think, like, I don't really think I'm great for doing all. I, th- I think people are great for doing all kinds of things. Like, I think people, you know, I meet people on the wards who have like four children and they're looking at young children and they're looking after them when they're like poisoned with chemo and stuff. I think that's great. Like, I sat in my arse and wrote that. I think I was very lucky. I I, I had it to do. Do you know what I mean? You had a brought a brilliant book. And uh, I thanks. highly recommend it and I'm looking forward to your thank next you very one. Much. It's called Trespasses. Louise Kennedy, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4 30.